I said joy is coming. I want you to turn to two or three people and tell them joy is coming. Joy is coming. Now I want you to look at two or three people and tell them I believe that. Come on, I wish somebody would look at your neighbor and say amen. Joy is coming to my life. Come on, you believe? Because he's born, joy is in the earth. Peace on earth, goodwill to my joy. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. Come on, I feel victory in somebody's life. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. Yeah. Come on, worship him all over the building. What you feel is God's spirit. The Lord is coming to this building. There's delivery power. There is healing power right now. Come on, some of you reach your hand up in the air just like that. from verse to verse to verse. Is it okay? We're going to read portions of scripture and we're going to talk about it. I want
want you to understand why we take communion. He wants us to. He didn't say how often, but he said as often as you do it. Let's look what it says in 1 Corinthians 11 and 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was what? The same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. Let me word it this way. The same time that he took communion, there was betrayal in his life. I've learned in study that you can't talk about communion and not talk about betrayal. It goes with it. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Representing Calvary, the crucifixion. How many know he was broken? Beaten and broken this do why this do in remembrance of me verse 25 after the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped saying this cup is the new testament in my blood this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me for as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. That's a scary verse. But let a man, what? Examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. Verse 34 says, excuse me, let's, let's look at verse 29. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. The purpose is to remember him and to discern his body. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, we are the body of Christ. How many believe that? How many believe the church of Jesus Christ is the body of of Christ. Verse, let's just read it on. For this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, and we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. It means to wait on each other. You could probably say, Almost literally a serve or wait or tarry or hang around for each other. We're certainly going to wait on the Lord, but can we, can, we, can we linger for one another here today? Because you can't talk about communion and not talk about one another. And any man hunger, let him eat at home. We're not having a feast tonight. You come expecting to get full, you're probably not. It's just a little wafer about that big. That's what I'm saying. Little cup, just a tiny cup. It's, it's not a feast. It's a remembrance. He said, when you come, don't come hungry. So go eat some. Don't fast today. Go eat some. Because the purpose of communion is not to satisfy your flesh. It's to be reminded of his death. And he said that ye are not together under condemnation and the rest will I set in order when I come. I'm just simply going to teach you today about communion. Communion. I want you to open your heart, open your hands, and ask God to give you a revelation of His Word. Would you do that, God? We're praying for divine revelation, asking God for you to move upon this congregation today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We magnify you, God. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Get your Bibles out if you will. So excited about tonight. I really am. Multi-campus service. Our other daughter works going to be coming in. We're going to be taking communion together tonight. Please 
make sure that you're here. And uh, uh, if you don't have it all right with Jesus, you can get all right with Jesus today. There's power in repentance. Amen. Judge yourself. Make it right with God today. And then come back tonight for communion. Um, it's exciting to see what God has done. Just to give you a little uh, idea, we are, we are in seven other campuses uh, besides Zanesville. That's exciting, isn't it? That the gospel's been preached in the region. That's going to multiply. Amen. Brother John Castle's been going down to, to Woodsville, Ohio, and has been preaching down in that county on Sunday mornings, which is very powerful what God is doing in that situation in southeastern um, Ohio. It's exciting what we, is going over in Vietnam and what's happening in Guatemala. People by the thousands are being impacted from this church right here. And I think you ought to clap your hands and thank God for it. Every month, our services are downloaded through podcasts and there's a limit of how much we can see on how far it goes. But every month, this church is preaching the gospel and downloaded messages from this church through podcasts in, in over 50 countries. We can only see a maximum of 50. 50 countries, nearly every state. It's amazing what God's doing right here locally through the world. Aren't we thankful for our online campus that is with us today? They can't be here in body, but they're here. through. I think you ought to jump your feet. Thank, thank God for our campus that watches online faithfully. We're so glad you're a part of what God's doing. Amen. We want to bless you. Praise God. Praise God. You may be seated. I meet people in town that are not members of the church here, but they tell me, I listen to the messages. I tune in. Just met somebody the other day the first time. They said, I watch every single service. They're not here in body, but they are certainly with us, and we're thank thanking God that the gospel is preached to thousands of people all over the world from right here in Zanesville. Aren't you glad about that? Amen, amen. So you do not want to miss tonight. It's going to be a year in review, and it's going to be a very, very powerful service, and we're not planning on staying until midnight, okay? But be here. When you look in the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, if you would turn your Bibles there, and I think we ought to be a good Bible-toting church. How about it? Now, they're going to help you with the screen today, but, uh, but I think it would be good this year, 2020, you say, I'm going I'm to read through my Bible. I'm going to get a Bible. I'm going to mark it up. I highlight my Bible. Some people don't want to write in it. That's, that's between you and Jesus. He lets me write in mine. I write in the margins. It's amazing. I got my dad's Bibles that have been a gift to me where he wrote in them and he read through those Bibles some, some 13, 15 times. Just one Bible marked up. The, the, the pages are frailed on the ends and, and he gave that to me as a gift. It's got duct tape on the outside of it. That's a Bible. That's a believer's Bible right there. Shouldn't be a dust collector, should it? You know, if your Bible's 10 years old and the pages are still stuck together on the outside, you know what I'm talking about. You got a problem, amen. Use your Bible. Well, that was, that was free. That doesn't have anything to do with what I'm preaching today. But 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1, Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant or unlearned how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. It goes on and says, and, and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all what? Drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. Amen. I think it's interesting, and by the way, Sister Kim, so good to see you and Brother Austin here today. Would you welcome them? We're so glad they're here today. Amen. Appreciate all the years they served here. He said they eat the same meat and they drink the same drink, comes from the same source. What did they eat in the desert, the wilderness, manna? What was it called? You see, God didn't call it manna. The children of Israel called it manna. Manna means, what is it? 
What is it? You know what manna is? They're all talking about what is this? Moses already told you what it was. He told you what it was before it ever landed on the ground when the fog would lift in the mornings. You know what it is? It's bread. Look at your neighbor and say, it's bread. It's bread. Quit saying manna. Hey, neighbor, quit saying what is it? It's bread. It's bread from heaven. Psalm 78 said it was angels' food. Amen. Everybody shout bread from heaven. For 40 years, they ate manna. Every morning, there was fresh manna on the ground, which was bread on the ground. What did they drink in the desert, in the wilderness? They drank from a rock that followed them. Millions of gallons. A river would flow out of that rock. It wasn't some little tiny trickle of a stream like you saw in your little picture Bible. Our picture Bible did us a disservice growing up. Had an aisle about that wide where three and a half million people crossed the Red Sea. You know what I'm talking about? It would have probably been a mile to two miles wide to get that many people across in one night. It's what you'll find is that there was a rock that followed them and out of that rock there was a constant stream of water. You know what they would have done? They would have washed with that water. They would have bathed with that water and they would have drank that water. The water that cleansed them on the outside was the same water that they couldn't live without on the inside. Can you say amen? So he is, he is talking two things here. They're eating of the same meat and they're drinking from the same drink. Let's read on. It says, but with many of them, God was not well pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness and now these things were examples. And you read on and you, you jump on down to verse 14 and it says, wherefore, my dearly beloved, uh, flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men, judge ye what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless is not the communion of the blood of Christ the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and what? One body for we are all partakers of that one bread. I'm just going to tell you what we're teaching here today. When you are taking communion, you are, you are not just remembering the crucifixion and the breaking of his body and the shedding of his blood. You are reminding yourself, I am now a part of his body. They were all baptized by the cloud and the sea. They all ate the same bread and drank from the same rock. They were one nation. They were one people. They were the elect of God. They didn't all live right. And he talks about it in that chapter, which I will not get into. But they were still the people of God. And what he was trying to say is that when you take communion, what you have to understand, yes, we are remembering the death of our Savior. When you are blessing the cup and you are taking of the grape juice or the wine, whichever choice you take tonight, when you do that, what you are saying is that not only did he die for me, he saved me and now I am a part of his people. Communion is as much about being a part of his body as it is remembering his death. Amen. I want to say to this congregation, we must fall in love with the body of Christ. You cannot love God and not love the body of Christ. You can't love God and not love the people of God. It goes hand in hand. Communion is communal. You've got to fall in love with his people. Everybody say we. We are the body. We are now partaking of one, one bread. We are all partaking of one drink. We are all one nation. How many know we are a chosen generation? We are a royal priesthood. I feel like preaching right now. We are a holy nation. We are a peculiar people. That's what was spoken about the church of Jesus Christ. Yes, it's not perfect. Yes, people do things wrong, but it's still his body. 
it's the best thing on the planet is the church of Jesus Christ. Come on, people will offend you. Sin will enter in every now and then, but they're still the people of God. Can you say amen? Look around your neighbor and say, I love you. real awkward for some people. Hope it wasn't awkward for your spouse when you told him just now. One lady told her husband, she said, you don't ever tell me you love me. He said, I told you when I married you, if I ever changed my mind, I'll let you know. Don't be that guy. Valentine's Day is not going to be very happy. The book of John Chapter 6, let's turn there today. Amen. May I remind you that for God so loved the world that he gave. God loves the world. But can I also remind you from John 15, don't turn there, just go to John 6. In John 15, he said, Greater love hath no man than a man laid down his life for his friends. And then we're taught in the New Testament that we are taught to love our wives as Christ loved the church. And what? Gave himself. You can't talk about communion and not talk about love and giving. How I many know he gave all? He paid the ultimate price. In John, in John 6, something happens here. It's, it's very powerful what had happened. The setting of John 6 is he's just taken, taken uh, and worked a miracle and he fed a multitude of people food and uh, loaves and fishes. They still got the aftertaste of fish in their mouth. You know how that is, right? Eat fish and chips. And somehow fish lingers, doesn't it? Yeah. And their, their bellies are full and, and uh, Jesus goes to the other side and and people are trying to find him. They go to where he is. Crowd begins to gather around and, and uh, they start making statements to him. And, and anyhow, Jesus looks at the same crowd where they were so excited about the loaves and fishes, what they had been eating in his presence. And he looks at them and says to these people that have followed him for the miracle. I want to stop here and say, there's more to living for God than him taking care of your needs. Here's the question. Would you, would, you, would you be here next Sunday if he didn't answer your prayer? I'm going to ask some of, you been, some of you have been in church since Noah got off the ark. If he never answered another prayer, if he didn't answer the healing and the sickness of your body, things didn't go the way you thought it would go, would you still live for him or are you only in it for the loaves and fishes? See, he fed them loaves and fishes, and when he fed them loaves and fishes, they watched they watched the boys' lunchbox turn a lunchbox turn into a feast to feed thousands. They're like, I want him. I'm going where he go. They follow him across the sea. They get on the other side. They're they're sitting around, you know, hanging out, and he looks at them, boy. They their 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 bellies are full. They're happy. Everybody's talking, and he looks at them, and he says, "I am the bread of life." Did you hear him? We'll eat his bread, but I'm not so sure I can understand that he is our source. We like his miracles, but not necessarily real concerned about his presence. I heard somebody say one time, they said, what's the difference? Had an elder, I believe it was James Kilgore or J.T. Pugh, one of them said, some young preacher asked him, and both of those men have gone to be with the Lord now, elder ministers, and they said, what's the difference between your generation and my generation? He said, our generation shot, sought the presence of God, and your generation seeks the presence. Our generation shot, sought the P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E of God to be around him. But the new generation seeks the P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S of God, the, the gifts of God and what he can give me. And my question to you today, if he never gave you another gift, 
his embodiment or his presence be good enough for you to serve him all your days? Because if he heals your body, you're gonna have to be healed again. If he gives you finances, you're gonna need finances again. But what if he took it away and he didn't heal you the way he thought you thought he should heal you? Would you still be here because you understand there's an eternal reward? He's the only one that can get me to the other side. That's all that really matters. It's all that matters. It's all that matters. You've got to understand communion is not about being fed. Go fill your belly up at home. Don't come to church to be fed. Come to church to remind yourself. It's not about what I want. It's about what he did. And what he did, yes, it can heal my body. Yes, it can put my family together. Yes, it can touch my mind. But that's not the ultimate reason he went to the cross. He went to the cross to save his people from their sins. If he washed your sins away, it should be good enough. Come on, if he never heals me, it should be good enough that he saved my soul. Somebody say amen. Are any of you here today glad that he saved you? Come on, if you are, I think you ought to just jump up and just wave your hand to the Lord and say, thank you for saving me. Thank you for washing my sins away. Thank you for eternal life. Amen, amen. You may be seated. So watch his teaching, John 6, 48. I am the bread of life. How many believe he's the bread of life? Verse 49, let's look at it. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness. See that? See the parallel again from Paul's teaching in Corinthians to now Jesus' teaching? Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. They died in the wilderness. But there is a bread that you can eat and not die. Are you ready? Do you know what that bread is? Look at verse 51. He said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever and the bread that I will give is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world when my body becomes broken he told Pilate you do not take my life I give it they could have never taken his life he was the son of God God manifested in the flesh they didn't take his life. As a lamb before his shears dumb. Isaiah said he went as a lamb before his shears dumb, as a, as a sheep to the slaughter. Didn't fight, didn't kick, didn't jerk. They slapped him, they spit on him, they put a crown of thorns upon his head, they mocked him, they ridiculed him, they shamed him. Nails in his hands, nails in his feet. And at any moment, I preach it often. I hope you don't get bored with the story of Calvary. Come on. Come on, it ought to still move us. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. Watch this. And they mocked him. They gambled for the only thing he owned, which was the garment on his body. And yet, he gave up the ghost, or he gave up his life. Some believe he was beaten so brutally you, could have, you, you wouldn't have recognized him. The blood that would have went, the, the swelling, the trauma. I went to car accidents. There were people who were traumatized by the impact and their body would be in very, very, very swollen. Or, or, or even my wife, when she's in a car accident, 
Sister Tackett, you didn't even recognize her when you came into that room that day. And where's, where's she at? Well, she's right there. The lacerations, the blood that would have went over his face, that would have clotted over his face over a period of time that day. The blood run out of the carpuscles of his, of his forehead. The blood that he shed. His body was broken. He said, I give my body. Everybody say he gave it. He said, I, the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. What he was saying is the flesh has to die. This flesh has to die. It's got to give up. It's got to be broken if the world is ever going to live. And I'm so glad that I live because he died. How many believe that? Come on. Wasn't it Gaither that, Bill Gaither that wrote the song, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is. Because I know, yes I know, he holds the future. And life is worth Living just because he lives. What shall a man profit if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? The poor man has more than the rich man when he has Jesus. Come on, there's a joy, there's a peace when you know that you know my name has been written in the Lamb's book of life. I once was lost in sin. I once was a sinner, but he saved me from my sins. He saved me from that unlawful life that I, come on, is anybody glad today that he saved you from your sins? You don't have to die a sinner. You can be saved because he died for you. Somebody say amen. Watch what it says. The Jews therefore strove among themselves the being saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? What in the world is he talking about? How can he give his flesh for us to eat? They, they couldn't see it. They, they really couldn't. They were blinded by religion. Then Jesus said unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you, whoso eateth my flesh, are you ready? Read it with me. And drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day, for my flesh is meat indeed. How many believe that? He that, eat, he that eateth my and drinketh my dwelleth in me and I as the living Father has sent me and I live by the Father. So he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. He is talking about the principle I do not believe, and uh, I think they might call it the transliteration, or they, uh, uh, the, that might be the wrong word, but some people believe that when you take of the unleavened bread, it becomes the literal flesh or body of Jesus. I do not believe that. Neither do I believe that when you take the wine or the grape juice that it turns into the literal blood of Jesus. I don't believe that. I believe we do this in remembrance, in the principle that he washes we with his blood and he fills me with his spirit. I have him as Christ in me, the hope of glory. I didn't leave Calvary alone. I walked up that hill myself one day at an old altar and I went up there and I said, God, I can't live without you. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. I need you to come in my life. I need you to remove all the shame and all the mistakes I made and I'm glad to tell you, he not only washed me in his blood, but he came into my heart. He came into my life and he saved me. He saved me. And what you are saying at communion, you're not just breaking bread or pouring out blood. If it was just about the remembrance of the Lord, we would break the bread and pour out the juice. But no, we eat the bread and we drink of 
the juice or the wine. Why? Because it's not good enough for his body to be broken. It wasn't good enough for his blood to be shed. Calvary is useless until you allow it to be applied to your life. I'm preaching to you right now. The death of the lamb is in vain until the blood is applied where it was commanded to be applied. It's not good enough for him to die until you repent and you give your life to him and say, God, come in my life and change me. I know it's a strong statement, but Calvary is in vain until you partake of the salvation that he gave you. He said in Acts chapter 2, would you throw that up there? I know I didn't give it ahead of time. This is random, but Acts chapter 2, verse 37. Let's look, look and see what it says. This is the New Testament message. First time the message is preached. Simon Peter has the keys of the kingdom. He just preached the story of Calvary and redemption. How he was betrayed, how he was hung on a cross. He preaches Calvary beautifully. Read Acts 2 later. But look, when they heard this, what? The gospel message that I just preached to you. They were pricked in their heart. Conviction. Not condemnation. True gospel preaching doesn't condemn you. It stirs something within you. It says, I'm a sinner. I don't want to. It, come on, if God came today, would you, would you make it or not? If the rapture, this trumpet blew tonight, would you go or not? We got to remove this mindset that I've been too bad for him to save me. That is, that is mocking Calvary for you to say, you've got too much sin for Jesus to save you. Don't you dare insult the Savior who came to save us from all of our sin. Come on, there's no category of a sin that his blood is not more powerful enough to wash away. Come on, there's not an addiction too strong that his blood cannot remove from your life. I come to tell you, there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. If you believe it, clap your hands and say amen. You might have generational, generational sins passed down. Maybe mama or daddy or grandpa or uncle put drugs in your hands when you were five and seven, a cigarette in your hand, alcohol in your hand when you were just a young baby and you've had this in your life for decades. I come to tell you, if abuse was in your world, abuse was in your life, his blood is so powerful, it can set you free from decades of sin. His blood is that powerful. Alcoholism is no is no mountain that he can't remove. Come on. Bitterness is not too strong for him to remove. God can set you free this morning. That's what I'm preaching. I'll teach in a moment. But I come to tell you, his blood can wash away all of your sins. If you believe that, clap your hands and shout amen. It goes as far to say that it will make all things new. All things. Somebody shout all things. You may be seated. And said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles when he's preaching about Calvary, men and brethren, what shall we do? They said from the upper room, from the crowd that gathered at the day of Pentecost, around there, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent. He didn't say nothing. Don't do anything. He died for you, Calvary. You don't have to do anything to be saved. That's not truth. They said, what shall we do? He said, repent. You know what that means? Turn away from your sin. You're going down the wrong road, making the wrong mistakes, tired. You're in a cycle that things start going good and you fall right back down there. You know what you're doing? You're just going down the wrong path with the wrong influence. Got ungodly people speaking in your life, leading you down the wrong path. But there's a moment you say, I've come, I've went too far. I'm tired of how bad it's getting. He that digging the pit shall fall into it. Proverbs, or uh, the scripture tells us, there's gotta be a moment that you say to yourself, I'm not getting any deeper in trouble. I'm not gonna get any deeper in sin. I'm not gonna fall into this trap that the devil's leave me in. No, I've got a savior and I'm turning away from my sins and what I can never do on my own. He's going to give me the grace to come out of bondage. He's going to give me the grace. He's going to give me the grace. Come on, you're not too far for God to reach your soul. Just turn from your sinful way and say, I need you, God. Everybody shout, repent. Shout, repent. Man, I get moved preaching about Calvary. And be 
baptized. Some of you. Every one of you. You can't get baptized until you repent. That's why we don't baptize babies. Because godly sorrow worketh repentance and you can't repent over something you don't feel sorry for. Be a moment that God preached the heart through the gospel preaching. That's why we're trying to put churches all over the southeastern Ohio because you can't be saved without the gospel. How can you hear without a preacher and how can he preach except to be sent? Are y'all feeling at least a little tingle what I'm preaching right now? Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation. Don't leave on me before I finish today. I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna see something in communion you've probably never seen before. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. When you repent because you believe the gospel, you can be seated. When you repent because you believe the gospel, God forgives you. But then the Bible says, and be baptized. Who? Every one of you. Why? Because Jesus said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Baptism is an act of applying his blood over you. You'll see later, but I'll quote it, Matthew 26, 28. I'm going to get to Matthew in a moment. But he said, this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Hebrews 9, 22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. The blood of Jesus is applied over you at baptism. Galatians 3 and 26 says, says, as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. And what happens is, is when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, which was the only way they're baptized in the scripture, what you will find is so interesting is that the blood removes. Why do you repent? It's a death. Why are you baptized? Romans 6, 4. We are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we arise to walk in. We buried because we died out to our sins. Somebody say amen. Stick with me. Look, throw the verse back up there. Repent and be baptized. Some of you. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of sins does not just mean forgiveness. It's more than forgiveness. It means to be treated as if the sin never existed. Removed. Everybody say it's removed. Everybody say all evidence is gone. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? 39. For this promise is unto you and to your, and to all that are, even as many as the Lord our God shall. Ready? Read on. Look what it says. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, It's not good enough to hear the gospel. I'll go back. It's not good enough for Jesus to die. It's not good enough to hear about him dying, which is the gospel. At some point, you got to save yourself. I can preach it to you, but I can't save you. I've had people say, save me, preacher. I can't. I'd love to, but I can't. But you can. Turn from your sin. Get baptized in the name of Jesus. He'll fill you with his spirit and lead you and walk you in the, in the goodness of the grace of God. Come on, it's the best life. There's no life like it. There's no life like it. And Jesus made this statement, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you shall not have eternal life. And bear with me a moment. Thank God for salvation. That's part of communion. It's saying he saved me. He forgave me. I remember his death, as Paul wrote, but that's not all that was a part of communion. Is everybody okay out there? Let's look and see what it says. He goes on to talk about in this same chapter, and he makes the statement. He said, he said in verse, let's skip on down here for the sake of time. It says, uh, verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said to them, doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. 
the words that I'm speaking to you, they are spirit and they are what? But there are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not, and who should what? Betray him. And he said, therefore said unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, will ye go away or also go away? And Simon Peter said, famous, he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words to what? Everybody say eternal life. Verse 70, Jesus answered them, Have not I chosen you twelve, and one of you is a what? He's speaking, next verse, Judas Iscariot. If you go to Matthew chapter 26, bear with me. Stay, stay with your pastor here today. Matthew 26, verse 17. Are you okay to do a few verses together? You cannot talk about communion, Brother Brown, and not talk about betrayal. You can't talk about discerning the body and loving the body and not talk about betrayal. There's a reason that when he's talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and loving his body that you will talk about betrayal. Matthew 26 now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to such a man. And Mark says, You'll find a man with a pitcher of water. That's what Mark says. He said, Say unto him, The master saith, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus has appointed them and Mark says that he gave them an upper room to have the Passover. And as they did eat, verse 20, now when the even was come, he sat down with the twelve. And as they did eat, he said, Verily I say unto you that one of you shall what? Way back in John 6, he talks about eat my flesh and drink my blood. My blood. They're going one of you is the devil. There's a betrayer in, in the room. He goes to Matthew. When he gets here, he sets down. They start eating. He said, he said, that one of you shall what? Betray me. What's the setting? And they were exceedingly, were exceeding sorrowful and began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, Lord is, is, Simon Peter would have said, God, is it, is it, is it, is it me? Judah would have said that. Is it, is it me? Bartholomew? God, is, am I the one that's going to betray him? He answered and said, He that dippeth his hand with me in the dish, the same shall betray me. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him, but woe unto that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It had been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, which what? Betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? And he said unto him, Yes. Thou hast said. It was Judas Iscariot. And we know the story. Here's the interesting thing about was before the Passover feast happened. Don't miss the point here. That's what I'm teaching. Some of you look real sleepy. Y'all hear me? Before the Passover happened, Judas had went to the religious rulers and sold out Jesus. He had already done it. He had already betrayed the Lord. He had already sold him for 30 pieces of silver. He probably had a little jingle in his pocket. He had already sold the Lord. And the Lord is getting ready. Not only is he going to do communion, he's going to also wash their feet and say that you need me in your life. Because communion was not only to honor God for his brokenness and his bloodshed. It was not just a remembrance of the Lord. It was also a statement that I need the body of Christ in my life. 
and the Lord is going to kneel down and wash the feet of his disciples and one of them is a betrayer. You're going to find that he is going to eat with them and he's going to get ready. Everybody take your hand like this. We're going to, we're going to have a Passover feast uh, uh, just for a moment. Take the bread in your hand. I want you to break it. Broke it in the presence of 11, 11 honorable, loyal disciples. But one had the money in his pocket that was going to betray the Lord to the crucifixion. His heart had already turned from God. And he said, this is, this is my body. Take ye and eat. And he supped with him. He, he, he took of the bread. You'll find that when, when he took the drink and he said, he said, this is, this is my blood. Take ye and drink ye all of it. That's why you should drink all of it. That's why we hand out small cups because you're supposed to finish it out. Nothing of what he did for us should ever be wasted. Drink you all of it. Everybody shout all of it. Come on, I want everything he has for me. I don't want any of it to be left back. How many feel that way today? That's what it's talking about. I don't want what his blood was supposed to do for me. I don't want it to be left in a corner somewhere. Somebody shout, drink all of it. You know what? And he partook of that Passover and he had a betrayer's heart. But Jesus was making a statement to them. He was saying, we got to understand Calvary, but we've got to understand also the need for one another. Hallelujah. You can't talk about the Lord's body and not talk about betrayal. And I'm just going to get to the point so we can finish up and pray here today. What he was saying is, in the body of Christ, there will be betrayal. There will be sinners as Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 10. There are going to be people that build idols and wander away from God as they should have. But don't ever forget, you still need the body with all of its imperfections. People might do you wrong. You might get offended. People might not meet your expectations. But you've got to learn to love his body. Not just Calvary. Not just Jesus' body. But the body of Christ. Let's stand to our feet today. The body of Christ what he was saying was you know how you know they're my disciples oh they love one another they love one another how can you hate your brother and love me he said did he not I am calling this church back to a revelation of falling in love with his church again I'm not talking about the I'm talking about the people. Somebody said one time, there's no hurt like church hurt. I guess there's some truth to that. But don't hate the body because somebody did you wrong. Don't judge the 12 because of the one. Love his body. Don't ever say, well, churches are full of hypocrites. Be careful to let that type of talk come out of your mouth. Sure, among us, there's going to be hypocrites. Sure, among us, there's going to be people that slip up and make mistakes. Sure, you get a crowd this size, there's going to be somebody that their intent is not right. But don't label the, everything that he died for as such. To say that his church isn't good is to say that Calvary wasn't. To speak ill of his body is to speak ill of his purpose. It's amazing, isn't it? That somehow communion and foot washing had, we're not doing foot washing tonight because I didn't feel too, but when you're taking communion you're saying, thank you for dying for me. When you're taking the blood, thank you for the blood you shed for me. And thank you for all these people that you've washed in your blood and filled with your spirit. Thank you for the church family. Thank you, God, for your people. It's not talked often, but certainly it's in the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our debts as we as we forgive our debtors. And if you do not forgive those that came against you, you can't be forgiven. Because discernment of God's body is simply, if he can forgive me, why can't I forgive you? And if he can save me, he can save everybody.
I want you to look at your neighbor and say, we need to love the body of Christ. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love, Brother Nutter, would you come? Falling in love with Jesus is the best thing I've ever, ever done. Simon Peter, don't forget, you never expected it to be Judas. You never expected it. None of them thought it was Judas Iscariot. Sometimes people you trust to let you down don't, don't ever stop serving the body. Get the basin of water out, Simon. Get the towel and throw it over your shoulder and go serve your brother because if you don't let people serve you, you don't serve. There's no part with the body. I'm going to hit something here today. The whole purpose of foot washing wasn't to clean their dirty feet. The whole purpose of but while she was with Jesus, knelt down. Brother Nehemiah, would you be Simon Peter for a moment? We don't have a towel up here. Hold this for a second. Jesus would have knelt down, would have taken the shoes, sandals, would have already been off probably. Probably already cleansed before dinner. He got down, Simon Peter said, no, 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 no. I don't want you washing my feet. I should be washing your feet. He made this statement that the greatest among us is the least among us. And he said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have no part with me. He said, go ahead and wash my hands and my, wash me. I want a part of you. And what you've got to understand, this American Christian culture that says I don't need anybody serving me I don't need to go to church and be preached to I don't I don't need my I don't need anybody praying for me me and Jesus like this you're lying to yourself I don't need to go to church on Sunday I'm okay you're lying to yourself because if you have no part with his body serving you you have no part with him and in 2020 I think this church ought to make a covenant with God that says, I'm going to allow God's body to serve me. And I'm going to serve the body. Because how I love Jesus is how I serve people. Come on, Jesus doesn't need your money. He doesn't need you dusting the, cleaning the glass. He doesn't need you doing, he doesn't need that. He's a God. But we need each other. And that's what he's saying. You're going to have hurt in your future. People are going to walk away from you, Apostle Paul. Demas will forsake you, loving this present world. But don't you ever give up on my church because somebody close to you hurt you. It's still the church. And it's still powerful to change communities. Do you believe that? I want you to lift your hands. And I want you to say today, God, tonight at communion, not only am I falling in love with you again, I'm going to fall in love with the body again. I'm going to get a new love for my brothers and my sisters. Come on, it's going to be so powerful tonight. The wave of the Spirit of God is going to move in this room. People are going to be weeping and crying and forgiven and refreshed and renewed. Fall in love with the church. I go to church because I'm serving my brother. I want everybody in the room to find a place to repent, whether up here or in your seat. Everybody that would, I, I don't want anybody standing. I want you to come and kneel or kneel at your seat. Let's examine ourselves for tonight. Would you do that? Let's humble ourselves and kneel before the Lord. If you're not physically able, we understand. What's the best thing I've ever, ever done? Today, I'm searching my heart. Falling in love 
with Jesus.